Hey everyone, this is Steve at the Growing with Fishes podcast. Um, we do this podcast every week dedicated to cannabis and aquaponic culture. Um, today we have Josh from uh, Pure Pressure uh, Rosin Presses, and he's going to tell us all about um, um, rosin and cannabis and aquaponic uh, culture. Um, today we have Josh from. Uh, oh, little loop there. I apologize. Um, having a couple a uh, couple issues uh, marty will be joining us here in a bit um half the reason is some of the news that just came out a couple of minutes ago about what the federal government's going to do about recreational weed which we'll get into in a minute because if i talk about it now i'm just going to end up going off so um uh josh thanks for joining us so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh what you do and um peer pressure and uh, a little bit about rosin well hey thanks for having us uh yeah we're uh Rosin Company, based out of Denver, Colorado. Um, we build pneumatic heat presses um, for uh, at-home and commercial extraction. Um, you know, how the company got started um, was I own an edible and extract facility in Boulder, Colorado. And like everybody else, um, you know, rosin was really new and exciting. Um, I started with, uh, you know, my girlfriend's hair straightener. And um, it kind of just grew from there. Um, I wanted to start producing it in my commercial facility. So um, I experimented with a lot of other um, presses and, and homemade stuff and uh, came to find out the perfect amount of pressure and heat distribution and uh, what makes the best solventless extracts. And what we ended up doing was designing and developing the Pikes Peak Rosin Press. Um, it's super unique. It's got a bunch of... Uh, digital displays, last run datas, um, two thermocouplers. Um, there's just a lot of uh, cool features. You can definitely check it out at gopeerpressure.com. Um, rosin, in my opinion, is going to be that number one concentrate moving away from uh, you know the butane and uh, BHO. Um, Sorry about that. I had to plug no it in. Um, yeah, it's going to be end up moving away from the um, BHO scene. Um, I, it's the biggest issue right now is being able to commercially produce it. Um, there's a lot of low end units. There's a lot of high end units out there. Um, the differences is uh, frame structure, um, structural analysis, as well as heat distribution. Uh, heat plates are very very important and the heating rods that you actually have in those plates are very important. Uh, you want two rods basically going all the way throughout your plate for even heat distribution. So what we use in our Pikes Peak Rosin Press and what we recommend, we can use stainless steel, but we, we go with aluminum. And the reason we go with aluminum is because it's got better heat retention. With uh, stainless steel, you're gonna end up with uh, inconsistencies um, as well as slower heat up times. So we, go standard with uh, aluminum heat plates and a thermocoupler in each plate to regulate that actual uh, heat distribution. Uh, if you only have one thermocoupler creating two different areas, um, you're going to end up with inconsistencies and you're going to end up with butter over here, shatter over here, and you're going to be wondering why, and you're only going to have to go to a hotter temperature. Another cool thing about rosin is our thin and narrow plate design. You don't want a big square. You want a rectangle shaped plate. And the reason for that is you want that oil to basically start to move onto the outside of those plates as fast as possible. So basically as those plates come down, what you want to be doing is you want to be liquefying that oil and slowly pressing. And once you see that oil start to come out, you can use what we created, which was a dual pressure upgrade kit which allows you to go from a low pressure to a high pressure and slowly ramp up your oils to liquefy those trichome heads as the plates come into contact. And what that allows is for you to eliminate blowouts altogether. Um, the other cool thing about rosin is you can kind of expect the same type of yields from you know your solvent extractions. Um, and it's completely solventless, ready to smoke the second it comes out of the press. Um, this press, you know, should take entire process from packing your bag to scraping it up will be on average about five to 10 minutes. 
And as you get better at it, you know, or have a team of people working around it, it's definitely going to speed up that process. Um, input output of um, at least our press, you can be doing about 20 to 30 grams of flour and about 30 to 60 grams of keef and bubble. Um, I've done an 80 gram squish of keef and bubble on our press. Um, you know, you really can go that high. Um, I saw it yields drop off a little bit at that 80 gram. So I like to stick around that 50 to 60 range. Um, and that preserves the best terping as well as getting the best yield. Um, like I was saying earlier, you can see your last run data on our press. So it's very easy to dial in a lot of material that you're pressing. Um, what you can see on yields based flower versus keef, um, you're going to be looking in that flower range of 15 uh, to 25%. Um, some of that lower end flower will probably be around that 10%, but on average, you know, good flower, you're going to see that 15 to 25. Um, some flower I've even seen in the 30s. Um, and on Keith and Bubble, I mean, you're looking at on average uh, 30 to 60% yields uh, on Keith. And if you were, you know, to do some fresh frozen processes, we have a lot of cool videos as well um, on the entire process and bubble hash. Um, what we found is fresh frozen bubble hash has been able to achieve those 80% yields off of our press, which has been pretty, pretty crazy. And it's a awesome color, awesome terpene profile. Um, it's all about, you know, having the highest quality products, you know, also at an affordable price. Um, in this market, you're definitely going to get what you pay for. It's all about good customer service as well as uh, high quality products. Um, why don't you explain to people the difference between rosin and something like BHO or shatter or some of the other stuff that's out there? So there's a bunch of different solvents. Um, we can go through different extraction processes a little bit. So there's an alcohol um, process. There's a CO2 process. There's a BHO process. And all those processes use that solvent to basically extract those oils. And after you extract those oils, you need to purge off that solvent. Um, so it, having to purge off that solvent, you know, getting it to a residual um, that is healthy for consumption um, is very um, highly conflicted. Um, so what this rosin allows is for you to, within five to 10 minutes, instantly have solventless shatter wax, um, even sugar. Um, it all depends on the temperature that you're actually pressing it. So you can create all sorts of um, different types of oil and extracts with uh, being a temperature differential. Consistency is huge in this. Now, have you worked with any um companies uh, aside from cannabis companies doing um, any herb extracts i know there's a lot of uh, different herbs that you can also do essential oil extraction with this type of equipment yeah i mean we've uh you know pressed hops we've pressed some lavender um we've definitely had some fun um you can use it in just about any setting that you you know presses have been around for you know quite some time whether or not it's you know cold pressed juice or um whatever. Um, you can set each each plate to a different temperature. So you're really able to control everything. And that is super important. So what, what a lot of people are seeing right now is inconsistencies and blowouts, uh, issues, um, you know, with, you know, stitches and all that, all sorts of, uh, like I was saying, heat inconsistencies, um, so what we did is we created a little speed dial so that when your press comes down onto your bag, the top plate has a tiny bit of swivel to flatten it out to make sure what you're able to do is what I call the kiss tech and actually eliminate a blowout altogether by slowly ramping up your um, extraction. Oh, that's, that's really great. Um, what other um, what other advice do you have for people? So, can you explain the difference between 
um, you know, there's a lot of cheap, cheap lower end um, presses out there, and then there's you know a, a handful of higher end ones. Do you want to explain the difference? Because there's a lot of confusion as far as um, the equipment out there and stuff like that. And there's a lot of yeah. Different so one of the biggest, yeah, definitely one of the biggest misconceptions in rosin and rosin presses is I need to hit it with as much pressure as possible, and that is definitely not the case. Uh, in solvents, I mean, we've been working towards filtering out all of those um, fats and lipids and undesirables that um, don't you don't want in your final product. And with that, what we've been doing is finding that perfect pressure to hit that material at so you're not pushing out those undesirables. I mean, with solvent, you're able to cryogenically by getting it to a negative 20, negative 50 to make those fill those plant waxes solidify in order to start going through a filter. So you're able to catch those in a solvent-based extraction environment. Um, but in a solventless extraction environment, all you're going through is a micron-sized bag to filter out the undesirables. So if you're hitting it with as much force as possible, just think of all the extra stuff that you're pushing through. Um, what we found is 500 PSI at your actual material. Make sure that we're measuring all of our forces at the actual material, not your plate size, because your plates aren't actually not coming in contact with each other. What's happening is they're coming in contact with that material. So take the, you know, two inch by nine inch bag and then, you know, do the math based on that and the size of the actual grams that you put in the bag. Um, we have a calculator coming out on our website to help uh, people in rosin uh, figure that out. Um, the other thing to stay away from, you know, in rosin is repurposed products. So if you find a product out there that was repurposed, that was something else like a t-shirt press to make rosin, um, you know, at the end of the day, is you're going to be back to square one, you know, within six months you know, to a year, probably less, um, because it wasn't made to come in contact with, you know, a bag or, you know, anything that was that wide, that long, um, you're going to end up with a lot of issues and a lot of inconsistencies in your final product. Um, so you're not going to, you're going to end up, you know, just spending a lot of money and wasting it. Um, and that's kind of what I did. Um, I own an edible and extract facility in Boulder, Colorado. And, I basically wanted to get into commercial rosin and I couldn't, you know, I only got poor customer service and even worse machines. So, you know, had to uh, innovate and create my own. It was supposed to be for, you know, my facility and uh, then all the other people wanted one. And so now here we are trying to give everybody, uh, you know, that high quality uh, press. We are going to be releasing a smaller at home version. Uh, here in probably about two months, um, and it's going to be, you know, on the cheaper side, manual, um, you know, but it is definitely all high quality. Everything we do is made here in Denver. If it's not done at my facility, it's done, you know, at one of our neighboring facilities. The other cool thing um, and the other really um, thing that you got to watch out for is products that say they're made here but aren't actually made here they're just assembled here um, definitely be aware of people misrepresenting brands and misrepresenting what you're actually getting um, you know making sure those heat rods are, are consistent throughout your plate and not weirdly horseshoe shaped or um, you know some sort of weird design that are going to give you inconsistencies um, you know the harbor freight frames i mean they're not made to put plates on them um, you're not, it's, they weren't accounted to have that amount, you know, inch and a half, two inches of plate, and then your bag coming into force, you're going to end up back at square one in six months or less, just constantly spending money. I'm somebody who just wants to, um, you know, buy a good piece of equipment and, you know, have it for the next five, 10 years with no problems whatsoever. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's all about education. I'm all about educating people, and then uh, you know, it's 
So, you know, if you guys can feel free to email me, call me. Um, you know, I'm all about, you know, making sure that you're educated, making the best decision possible for you, whether you go with our company, another company. I just want you guys to produce the highest quality rosin and make sure that you don't waste your money. Um, you know, it, it's a, all about working with good people, good business, um, good business ethics, as well as, you know, being there for your customers when they need you. And you have a, a real large library of how-to videos and explanation videos and equipment videos on your YouTube. Absolutely. You talk yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah. So we got all sorts of videos on our YouTube, um, you know, like how to make rosin uh, like a pro going uh, with, you know, essential extracts and nicotine. Um, they're great, great people over there. Um, we also had a, have a process of how to make bubble hash, um, all the components, um, an overview of our machine, the safety features. Um, you know, we have quite the library. Um, we had a, a question from Chad on um, temperatures. Um, do you want to talk about uh, different temperature ranges for different types of products you might do in a, in a rosin press? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so temperature has a lot to do with um, your consistency. Um, so butter and shatter, um, you're going to end up in completely different ranges. So what I tell everybody to start at, especially when they have a thin and narrow plate, um, to start around 210. And then what, what basically why I'm going a little bit hotter is to liquefy those oils and get the trichome heads and get them moving as fast as possible outside that plate. So if it's only heated up for, you know, a couple seconds, you're not going to diminish the quality. You're going to actually preserve more terpenes than you would if it sat into a lower heat. Um, so what you're doing when you're at a higher temperature, like let's say 210 degrees to 230 degrees, you're going to end up with a shattery consistency, more, you know, gold clear shatter. Um, and then when you drop below that 200, maybe that 170 range, um, you're going to end up with uh, butter, um, even a sugary substance. Um, what you got to be careful with when you drop those temperatures a little bit is uh, leaving it in your plates, making sure that oil is still moving on the outside of your plates so you don't damage your terpene profiles. So that's why the thin and narrow plates are so important so that you move those oils, get them moving on the outside of your plates so that you're preserving those terpenes and the quality of the oil. So you're also able to eliminate second presses altogether because you're able to press for a longer period of time without damaging any material, any quality, any terpene preparation. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. They're not exposed to heat or pressure as long, um, so they're preserved more. Yeah. Great question, by the way. Yeah. Um, was there uh, any other, um, <clears throat> I guess, topics you feel aren't covered much on rosin or, um, you know, what are, uh, how about um, yields as, you know, as far as trim? Uh, versus flour versus bubble hash or, or versus keef. Uh, you want to talk about that as far as rosin? Yeah. So basically, um, yeah. So basically, trim. Sorry, I'm looking through um, no a list of um, topics to talk about. Um, so yeah, basically the difference between trim is what I recommend with trim is your yields a lot lower. So you're in that five to 10% range, kind of how you would in a solvent based extraction. And, um, you would want to keep that and with dry ice or, you know, some sort of, or bubble hash and then sticking it in a freeze dryer. Um, and what that will do is it will increase your yields to 30 60%, make it more efficient so that you can really streamline your process. And within one squish, you're yielding half an ounce to an ounce and a half of solventless extract. Um, I mean, you can do the ROI calculation right there. When your bag cost and your parchment cost, um, you know, you end up maybe at $1.50 a press. Um, 
you know, you're really uh, coming out on top and your equipment cost is, uh, you know, definitely a lot lower than going that solvent route, uh, especially, you know, you don't need an oven, you don't need it to take, you know, um, uh, well, they make you put them in the blast rooms and everything now in most Yeah, states. class There's one, well. division one rooms. Yep. Uh, and I mean, I mean, there's one other huge topic in rosin that I definitely want to cover, and it's the hydraulic versus pneumatic. And my overview on that is if I can keep something oilless and maintenance-free, why wouldn't you? Um, with hydraulics, just to kind of go over it for everybody in our audience, um, what you're doing is you have a tank, and as you, uh, you know, use a foot pedal or a manual um, hand crank, you're allowing air to pressurize oil, and at some point that oil is going to fail, and it's going to leak onto your rosin. So it's not a matter of, you know, technique or anything it's a matter of when that's going to happen and at the end of the day it's about it's better to replace your equipment at that point um so you know being pneumatic all you need is clean dry air and you're golden you know you can just get a filter dryer you know make sure there's no moisture going in there and you know no lubrication necessary at least in our press some presses you know, have a lubricator on there because they need oil and they're not oilless and maintenance free. Um, it's all depends on, you know, the brand and the product that um, you go with, but it's definitely, um, in my opinion, better to have a pneumatics because no matter what, you need an air compressor. So if you can keep something oilless um, and not have any fails, I mean, the horror stories I have heard um, is just ridiculous and so I'm definitely an advocate for uh, pneumatic cylinders um, when you can. And definitely, if you're in the market, ask if it's oilless or if you have to have a lubricator because um, that is definitely something that you should factor into any purchase. Thanks for that. That was really good. Um, it's nice to finally have uh, uh, someone on to talk about rosin and um Actually, do you want to talk about so the the process start to finish? A lot of people um, maybe. Not. Yeah, I can talk. Yeah, so basically, what you want to do, um, there's a bunch of different um, little tools. So you get your filter bag. You decide on what micron. Um, if anyone's familiar with bubble hash, it's kind of the same different grades. So what we offer at Pure Pressure is a 36 micron, 72 micron, 90 micron, and 115 micron. And 90 and 115, that's more for flour. Um, 90 micron, you're going to end up with uh, a finer product. As far when you go down in micron sizes, the smaller the opening is in that bag. So a 36 micron bag is almost silk-like. Um, and 36 and 72 micron, that's what I recommend for Keef and Bubble Hash. Um, I definitely um, say we're doing some bubble hash. We put it in a pre-press mold. So what we'll do is we'll take that bag, we'll fill it with as much material. So let's say we're putting 40 grams in there and then we will put it in our pre-press mold. And what that's doing is it's pucking our material. So it's already pucked when it goes in there. And this helps eliminate blowouts. Um, and it, what our pre-press mold, not a lot of the other ones do, is it allows for about a centimeter on each side. And you're going to pre-press this inside the bag, inside the mold. So you're going to have a centimeter on each side of that bag with that material in there. So when you come down with it on the plates and with that heat, by the time it reaches those edges of that seam, it's already liquefied and already moving. You're going to eliminate a blowout altogether. So say I actually just filled it all up and then I just pushed it down with my hand. Well, all that material is already at the seams. So when I go and I hit it with the, with the press and those plates, my, the forces at those seams are already tremendous. So my likelihood of a blowout is absolutely, you know, highly increased. Um, so I highly recommend pre-pressing it 
with just, you know, like a little one ton or hand to hand pressure. You can even use it in the press. Um, and then you go from that and you put your parchment paper in between the aluminum plates. And, you know, we've had our own custom cut parchment paper for our machine for streamlining this process. It's also a 35 pound genuine vegetable kosher FDA approved um, parchment paper. And we went back and forth with a few states and a few uh, enforcement divisions about food grade. And since our plates are aluminum and we recommend aluminum plates, um, obviously everyone knows aluminum is not necessarily food grade. So with the forces, if you're using like, let's say a normal Reynolds parchment paper, it's a lot thinner than that 35 pound or 55 pound parchment paper. Um, so you're going to end up with a little bleed through um, and you can end up with issues and whatnot and it could be considered not food grade. So with this 35 pound genuine vegetable parchment, because it's in between the plates and your um, material is never going to come in contact with that aluminum, it's in between two food grade surfaces, um, that parchment paper make this entire process um, food grade in the eyes of all the enforcement divisions as well as, you know, anybody we've been able to, you know, get to sign off on it. Um, you know, we're in count, you know, any, I mean, what, there's 13 states that just legalized and whatnot um it's expanding every day um we're really excited the movements that are happening besides the announcement today um i feel like rosin and solventless extraction is going to be you know that number one um solvent um is going to definitely start to fade away and be that low-end concentrate it's definitely the safest to produce for sure yeah. Um, terpene preservation, I mean, flavor, um, we can go into that a little bit as well. Um, we had another question in, um, in chat about um, melting them horizontally versus vertically. Um, have you found any difference? Or I noticed your unit can do that as, um, with the horizontal versus uh, vertical. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it can go in vertical or horizontal orientation. So, um, I love you know, having it laid down and being able to do directional flow. But in my commercial facility, it just does not make sense. Um, it takes a lot more time to, you know, prep and whatnot. Um, I think it's a fantastic idea and it's, you know, a great concept, but I'm not 100% sold on it. I think it looks really cool. Um, but in a commercial setting and being able to produce, um, a lot of concentrate at once um, without a lot of prep beforehand, um, you're going to end up with a loss in ROI, in my opinion. Cool. It's good to know. Um, thanks for answering that. Yeah. You were talking about terpene profile. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. Basically, I was talking about terpene profile and how... Um, how it can definitely change and, uh, you know, with heat plates and um, flour and bubble hash and keef, um, you're going to end up with a ter different terpene profile in each on how it's cured, how it starts in the garden. Um, it's definitely um, all about how it's taken care of. Sorry. Uh, we had a, a question. Um, is it possible to do like a live, re uh, live, live res version of rosin? Um, yeah. So I mean, kind of like a fresh frozen um, is the kind of the closest. Um, there's definitely people playing with it now to really figure out, um, you know, the whole live resin. When somebody says live resin, in my opinion, it's more talking uh, solventless extraction. Yeah, so do you want to talk, uh, describe to, um, for people that aren't aware uh, what that is when people are yeah. talking about live resin? Yeah, so basically it's fresh material um, frozen right away. So basically it's chopped down and it's taken as quick as possible into the freezer. And then what a lot of people are doing in the rosin industry right now are taking that and bringing it into that bubble machine and making bubble hash, fresh frozen bubble hash, 
sticking that in a freeze dryer, and we can go kind of go back to uh, terpene preservation and whatnot there, is you're going to get a lot higher terpene profile, a lot better color when you're sticking it into a freeze dryer right after. Wonderful. Um, we had uh, another question on chat is what is the shelf life of rosin? So the shelf life is, you know, similar to, you know, other concentrates. Um, it really um, cures, you know, you can definitely, um, you know, back seal it, stick it. Um, I've smoked, you know, rosin over the course of, you know, a year old, and I thought it definitely still preserved. Um, in my opinion, it all depends on how you take care of it. So, you know, if you have it in a good environment, what I recommend people do is get a little wine cooler because there's no moisture in there. Um, the more moisture you expose to any type of concentrate, the more it will degrade and change, you know, consistencies, color, um, that type of stuff, as well as, you know, light exposure. Um, and, I mean, you can look at um, – You can definitely uh, play with um, all of that in your cure. We had another question. Um, is uh, rosin uh, decarboxylated um, because of the heat and the pressure? or uh, If you have giant heat plates and it's sitting in your heat for quite some time, then, yeah, you're going to have some sort of decarboxylated uh, um, rosin. Um, that puck, I haven't had the test yet. So, you know, obviously, if I don't know the answer, if I'm not, you know, can't guide everybody in the right direction, I don't know. Um, sure. But I'm currently doing the humidity tests as well as what type of humidity, um, you know, presses the best to get the best yield. Um, what I've started to find on, let's just go to humidity quick, is 50% um, humidity has been yielding more. And kind of what... I've found is if you have a really dry product and you end up pressing it, it's going to absorb some of those oils. And then, you know, it's going to kind of get stuck in the plant itself. So humidity is also important when you're producing rosin. Okay. So you're basically, you wouldn't, uh, if you're producing for the sole purpose of rosin, you wouldn't fully dry out your product as much as to the same level of dryness as you would if you're going to try and have a smokable product. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you still want those stems to snap, um, but you don't want that bud to crumble in your hand. Um, so I'm not talking too fresh um, where you're going to end up with it raining, you know, purple or, you know, water, um, but definitely, you know, in that 50% humidity range, but fully dried, you know, no moisture in that stem. Um. I've seen uh, rosin videos out there before. People are squeezing out like purple liquid from their uh, purple rosin and stuff yeah. like that. Is that just buds that were super high in anthocyanin, or was it? Uh, is there an, another process going on, or do you want to talk a little bit about some of the funkier colors sometimes you see in videos uh, from rosin presses? So, basically, uh, purple rosin—it's a uh, you know, it's awesome to look at it. What it is, is it's a cut down premature plant. So let's say if we're looking in a microscope of the trichome heads, and this is my understanding of it. I've pressed, uh, you know, minuscule uh, purple rosin. It also has a trait, obviously. So if it's a purple strain, it could come out with a purple tint. Um, but in order to get, you know, fully purple and it's all premature. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and that's kind of what I've found. So if you really want that purple rosin, cut down your plants a little bit early. Um, let me uh, let me look on here. Um, all right. Do you? Uh, is there anything else you want to touch on as far as uh, rosin or rosin presses before I get to the big uh, thing that dropped today? No, I mean, I think uh, unless anybody else has any other questions or anything, I think uh, I've covered it. Feel free to, uh, you know, definitely check us out. I'd love to uh, talk more and answer any other questions anybody has.
seems to be uh yeah. seems to be it all right so we'll get to the reason why marty isn't here and why everyone right now is like freaking out in the industry so um uh Sean Spicer from the Department of Justice or the from the White House today said um, there's a big when he was asked about um, whether or not the Trump administration is going to crack down on recreational or medical marijuana. His answer was there's a big difference between medical marijuana and recreational marijuana. I think that when you see something like the opioid addiction crisis blossoming in so many states around this country, the last thing we should be encouraging people is encouraging people. There's still a federal law we need to abide by when it comes to recreational marijuana and other drugs of that nature, Spicer said. So, yeah, uh, the whole recreational industry is completely freaking out. Um, yeah, Marty is having uh, on a bunch of um, phone calls and going through a bunch of stuff. I've My phone immediately exploded when this news hit about an hour ago. Um, it literally hit within about an hour or two ago um, that this was announced, and it's kind of causing a lot of panic in the industry, and people um, people didn't uh, were not expecting that at all. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, um, don't really scary. know... Uh, even what to say what was your reaction i mean my reaction was basically um to look into and you know protect ourselves in any way possible um and at the end of the day we need to just keep this movement forward and you know keep alerting the government on all the medicinal benefits that are out there um, I know they're trying to crack down on recreational and no matter if somebody's using it for recreational use, medical use, I've seen firsthand this product, you know, really help people. Um, you know, not everybody can go to the doctor and afford to go to the doctor to get, um, you know, a prescription, you know, but recreational use has really changed, um, you know, my view on, you know, people also getting benefits from cannabis, um, both mental and physical. Yeah, it's just, I don't even, between that and them going after CBD, going after CBD isolates yeah, is, is completely just beyond scummy. Yeah. There's a, there, well, with that, with that in mind, what have you do, or here's a question, uh, have you worked with anyone doing um, isolates like a short path with rosin? I haven't played with it or know anybody who has played with it too much. Um, so I really don't know. I have uh, been able to be a part of a few um, runs on short path systems, um, and it's definitely quite um, an experience, um, definitely an all day process um, to only get quite a little bit of return but um it, it it's interesting um it, that you're able to really compound um like cbd isolate and get um just pure cbd crystal yeah it was uh it's definitely something especially for people that are trying to stick to a more pure yep. um, uh, extraction process rather than relying on some stuff that can blow you up or uh you know, be highly pressurized and and have a hose blow off and all different kinds of crazy things that they've seen happen. So, yep. I think isolate um, and distillate is cool, but I also think um, really high like uh, Rick Simpson oil. Um, you know, really high CBD, low THC. Um, Genetics are very, very important, and people breeding them are very important um, and really helping the community. Um, and the reason I feel so strongly about not distilling into a one pure substance like CBD, I understand that in non-medical and non-legal states, but um, I think all the compounds in a plant are 
they work together in some sort of way. And that also, you know, helps the CBD um, benefit that person. And I mean, I think, you know, a strict ratio, especially when we're talking, um, you know, severe cases of, you know, cancer and um, all that, it's definitely high CBD strains that are benefiting these people, especially like epilepsy as well. Yeah, there's, you really need the entourage effect for particularly uh, cancer and epilepsy and some of the more complicated um, issues that people are facing. MS has also been proven to be uh, a cannabinoid deficiency in the more recent research. So, um, you know, you really need more than just THC or CBD, you know. Anyone that's had a chance to take Marinol knows how horrible it is to take just pure THC. It's so uncomfortable. You really do need those other compounds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this whole announcement they did today is completely shook up the entire market. Um, I, I really don't even know what to say about it. it it's it's ridiculous. They got to stop with this crap. It's it's a multi-billion-dollar industry. It's generating tons of tax revenue for school. Look at Colorado, for instance. Oh yeah, I'm about to say schools. Transform the education funding in the state. You know, it's directly going to the schools and education programs and uh, all. There, what was it? Aurora built a whole new uh, homeless shelter with it, and uh, all different kinds of stuff. What's going to happen to all those programs? You know. Where's the funding for that's going to go? You know, it's, it's just ridiculous. Yep. And, and all just, the jobs, uh, someone just brought up in the thing too, all the jobs. Look at how uh, California and to, uh, Colorado completely ignored the recession, you know. Um, the, these, the cannabis industry creates a whole wide range of jobs, um, you know, from the people that are ordering more food, uh, uh Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, taking people to and from the dispensaries because they're worried about driving their own vehicle or they don't have a vehicle. Um, you know, uh, security companies that are handling the transfer of products from the gross to the dispensaries. Um, security companies, electricians, uh, nutrient companies, grow stores, nurseries. Um, all of these companies are, are benefiting enormously financially because of this. I've always said, you know, there's a big enough piece of the pie for everybody, um, you know, and that's why, you know, I got into this industry is, you know, just tax it, figure out how you guys are going to represent it, and let's uh, definitely move forward um, as a country. You know, people are realizing all the propaganda is not real. I mean, the taxation on recreational is definitely high, um, but the direct beneficiaries that are getting it, um, it was kind of crazy here in Colorado. Um, we projected, we got more money than uh, they projected, so they didn't know what to do with it. So they ended up having something on, the, on a bill um, to figure out what to do with it. I mean, I definitely think it should definitely be more like liquor stores than we should be regulated, but um, it should be affordable. Absolutely. Um, real quick before I forget, uh, we had a little uh, contest uh, last week thanks to Aquaponic Dummy. He owns a little uh, aquaponic store up in Maine. Um, put, a, put your um, company name in chat again. I'm sorry, I forget the name of it. Um, the, but last week the winner was Johnny Hine. Uh, he won, um, I forget what he won, whatever the giveaway was last week. I forget. I apologize. Um, 
But uh, thanks to Aquaponic Dummy for that. Um, but yeah, the this whole not only that. Look at how the the legalization affected the the black market. Look at how it affected the the cartels and all. It took away their bread and butter. Absolutely. Um, yeah, thanks to Van Buren Hydroponics up in Maine, uh, Aquaponic Dummy, and his company. Uh, really appreciate it. He donates to the show regularly, um, and it was. Uh, Johnny Hine um, had a, a question uh, on um, iron last week, and uh, we'll give him the uh, the giveaway. So thanks again. Um, yeah, this this whole it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. You know, to see how ridiculous their crackdown goes, and to see if you know when the Trump finally gets impeached and thrown out of office, how far this goes after that. Yeah, well, that's the scary thing is, you know, who's up next, you know? Uh, yep. The chain right there is even, even, might be even, even worse. You never know. Oh, yeah. Well, hopefully this Russian scandal will bring them all down. That yep. would be great. Get rid of Sessions, him, and Trump all in one fell swoop, theoretically, oh, if we yeah. can, uh, if we're lucky. Um, I did want to say uh, congratulations to South Africa. South Africa legalized medical cannabis this week uh, after a long, hard fight. Um, that's a country that really could use the benefits Absolutely. of um, uh, uh, cannabis, especially. They have a lot of AIDS patients and a lot of people with other diseases that could really use it. So congratulations to South Africa. Um, um, some other cool news this week on cannabis was um, Parachute Colorado opened the first drive-through dispensary. Um, it's a little mountain town. Um, <laughs> I was looking for a way to to drum up some uh, some attention. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, ooh, uh, Fish Ganja guy is here. He should join the podcast if he's listening. <laughs> um, and uh, Iowa passed a medical bill. Um, they have a medical uh, oil bill they just passed. Um, and uh, that'll be cool. They're still working on the details on it, but uh, it's nice to see them um, finally, uh, you know, get a little bit farther. We're really moving forward, you know, and I feel like even that this crackdown that they're trying to do, we're going to continue to move forward as a country. So oh yeah, at least people are dumb, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, if, if anyone's interested, I will be teaching in San Francisco this week. Um, I'll be teaching in Ouroboros. We're doing a medicinal herb class up there at Half Moon Bay. If anyone is interested, I also in May, um, March 25th and 26th will be teaching another aquaponic cannabis class up there. If anyone is interested. And uh, um, definitely give those a look. Uh, check out all the other cool classes he has on there. Um, he's quite a variety of different classes um, to choose from if you're looking to get at aquaponic education. Um, also, uh, shout out to True Aquaponics. Um, and uh, been uh, talking to him quite a bit lately. And um, uh, thanks for uh, allowing uh, me to be on his website as well if you're looking for help on your own grows um, and need individual uh, dedicated help hop. Check that out. Uh, thanks, uh, Fish Ganja Guy, for joining us today. Hello, ladies. <laughs> How are you doing? How are you taking the news? Um, not real well. I went ahead and talked <laughs> yeah. to JR Token and uh, mentioned it to Scotty. And it's, um, you should never underestimate the power of stupid. That's just wild, man. Yeah. We wild. Just... There was one part that I wanted. I don't know if you read it, but there's uh, one part from this that uh, just blows my mind out of the water. And it was, uh, I'm just reading the quote from that uh, ABC7 News article said, Spicer on Thursday, however, linked marijuana use with the widespread abuse of painkillers suggesting that allowing recreational use of marijuana could be interpreted as condoning drug use more widely. And quoting, when you see, this is quoting Sean Spicer, when you see something like the opioid addiction crisis blossoming in so many states 
around this country, the last thing we should be doing is encouraging people. There is still a federal law that we need to abide by when it comes to recreational marijuana and drugs of that nature. Holy shit. I read that same article, man, and that blew my mind just as much, you know. It, to compare it to the opioid addiction, like, it's unbelievable. the exact opposite of what every study is showing. I know so many people that in the DGC that use it to avoid pain coach. J.R. Token, I mean, he's a legit med user. He uses it for his pain. And it keeps him off of the pills. Uh, Jaman, he, uh, or Yaman, I, mean, I got to ask him how the hell you pronounce it. Um, he just uh, had some medical issues and he went to back to it as fast as he could so he didn't have to take narcotics for his pain and his recovery. It's incredible, man. Uh, it's that they're saying that it encourages opioid use. No, the number of fatalities from people overdosing on opioids is gone way down in states that have gone recreationally and medically legal. This is retarded. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And there was, there's been, what, at least eight studies in the last six months about how, just like you were saying, the opioid use goes down in states that have medical cannabis. So people don't need it because they have a better, safer form of pain relief. Yeah, it's, I don't know, this is just painful to try and look at, man. Well, it's cutting into pharma profits, so. Yeah, I know. And uh, in rec states, uh, might even be starting to work towards uh, threatening alcohol profits, too, um, in the future. And it's, uh, you know, financial backing for people in government. Yep. Uh, but aside from um, Steve sending me that article and ruining my Thursday, uh, how's everybody doing? <laughs> We're doing good. Did you um, did you have any questions for uh, from for Josh here about rosin? Um, oh, one wife's calling. One second. Love her. <laughs> hey, um, the imperial march for the wifey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's still mad. I won't take that down. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not really uh, too much on rosin, but um, can you explain the process to me, like how that goes, how that's different from you know other forms of extraction and things like that? Yeah. So basically, with uh, a solvent extraction, you need to purge off that solvent. And that can take up to, you know, 24 to 48 hours, and you're still not going to end up getting it all out of there. Um, it's very difficult to get it below, like, 300 ppms. Um, there's a lot of testing that goes into residuals, especially in the state of Colorado. It's regulated differently everywhere. Um, some states, you can just purge it and say it's good, you know. Um, the cool thing about rosin is, you know, you can pack a bag, you can stick it in a pre-pressed mold, stick it in the press, uh, in a vertical or horizontal orientation, and then uh, all your oil will leave that plate and start moving on the outside of that plate. And then after, let's say, a minute, um, you're going to take your plate will come off of that, and all of your oil will be outside of that bag on that parchment paper. Um, and you just scrape it up. You can dab it. Even as it's coming out of the machine, you can dab it. It's absolutely insane. That sounds awesome. Yeah, um, some of the terpenes are some of the best I've smoked. Um, I know there's new solvents out there, and terpenes and whatnot. Um, to get that flavor, um, I really have found um, flour to have that terpene profile, unlike anything else besides like pure um, uh, terpenes, obviously. So what's the deal with this whole live resin thing I've started to hear people talking about? <laughs> so live resin, it's just, uh, you know, basically fresh frozen um, material um, and it's processed in multiple different ways in order to get uh, a final consistency like sugar or sauce or shatter. It really depends on uh, how you purge it, how you do your oven time. Um, so I see how long should the longest press be. It shouldn't be, um, you know, too long. Basically within a narrow plate, 
you want um, I set my presses for about a minute and a half you dial it in based on that material um, after you press a few times uh, you'll know what that material likes and with a thin and narrow plate design you're able to press for longer periods of time so it really depends on the press that you choose so assuming my press resembles my wife's hair straightener what time frame would you recommend? <laughs> so, I mean, you could go for like that 30 second to 35 second range. Um, you know, if you're because you're doing such a small surface area, if you're putting it in a bag and in your wife's hair straightening, um, I would go for more in that minute range. Um, just make sure that you're able to turn that hair straightener down to the lowest temperature possible. Because I know a lot of those stick up in that 280 range. Um, and you really want to be pressing in that like 210, uh, 200 range. Right on, man. That's really good info. Yeah. Well, hey, um, sounds like uh, wife's getting home, so I'm going to cut out and go make dinner for the fam. Um, guys, sorry I couldn't stay for very long, but I'm glad I was able to get in on some of the podcast. And Josh, thank you again. It was a pleasure meeting you. Hey, thanks for joining me. It's great meeting you. Yeah, like Snoop Dogg and uh... – uh, half baked, you just pop up, come into the episode for a little while, and then pop out. <laughs> That's the thing. You just you got to get out before they get sick of you. Right. <laughs> Leave them wanting. All right, take it easy, Steve. Take it easy. Um, we had a uh, absolutely aquaponic dummy. Um, the so aquaponic dummy wants to do another giveaway, so. Um, we actually just did a, Marty and I just did a thank you video. Um, we just actually hit a thousand um, people in the Aquaponic Cannabis Growers Group on Facebook. Uh, we also, it was the one year anniversary of us doing the, the podcast. Well, it was a little bit after that, but we kind of forgot. So um, we, we did a, a little thank you video to everyone. So um, if you guys want to leave a comment over there. Um, next week we'll, we'll pick a winner from people that leave a comment over there for the giveaway. Um, and then, uh, Johnny Hine from, from last episode with column. Uh, if you want to email me at potentponics, um, I'll get you, give me, give me your address and then, uh, I'll, we'll get you your, your prize, um, from, um, aquaponic dummy. Uh, he's going to mail that over to you. Um, so yeah. Uh, thanks a lot again for him for doing that, and thank you for all uh, for helping us get to a thousand people in the Aquaponic Cannabis Growers Group on Facebook. And uh, thanks for all of you guys for supporting us over the past year. We've had a bunch of really awesome guests, and um, we've had a lot of really cool topics and a lot of great discussions, and a lot of really good in-depth uh, topics covered. Um, and so, uh, Aquaponic Dummy is giving away active Aqua submersible pump 250. So. Great for flood, small flood and drain trays, uh, stuff like that, or um, nutrient pumps and things like that. Plenty of uses for that. So thanks, thanks a lot to him for doing that. Alrighty. Um, oh, so um, the uh, we had a question. A gentleman would like to know what about uh, the quality of bubble hash for that is best for doing. Um, um, rosin pressing and then have you done uh like dry sift like what um what size dry sift would you recommend is the best so basically for you know if you're pressing high quality bubble hash i'd recommend the 36 micron bag um depending on the amount that you have i mean you can go up to our two and a half inch by nine inch bag where you can fit that 40 to 80 grams in um if you're in that seven gram range, you could be in like that two inch by three inch bag. You could even spread it out pretty thin through a two inch by six inch bag. Um, but for as far as settings go, I would start at around 210 degrees uh, and then slowly um, start at a very low pressure. Let those oils liquefy, and when you start to see that oil move and bead on the outside of your plates, slowly start to ramp that up like from 20 psi to 60 psi and then go to 80 to 100 and then all the way up to 120 um, and then let it sit there until you stop seeing that bead of oil another cool trick is to run your finger through um, the plate and when you run your finger through 
along the plate on the parchment paper, it separates that oil even more from your plate, and you're able to see if brand new oil is coming out. And if that brand new oil is coming out, um, you know you need to press for longer periods of time. So like on our press, there's an A button that you can push when your press is done. Um, you can also just hold the two press buttons um, if it's coming down and you still see oil that needs to come out and it will just continue your press and continue to count up. And then once you're done with that press, you know the perfect amount of time that you had at each stage. Um, Cause you, all you have to do is go to your last run data and you can start and save recipes for um, let's say blue dream Keith. Um, and then you'll know every time you're pressing that Keith, the exact settings that you want. Awesome. Um, have you ever, um, is there any issue with, um, uh, or any difference in rosin concentration versus like CO2 or butane as far as uh, pesticide concentration or will they all concentrate them about the same or is this method um, concentrate them slightly less? Have you ever gotten that question? Um, as far as, you know, pesticides and that kind of stuff, um, I know in Colorado they just started to approve if you had if you say you failed your mold testing and it had you know if they have it at a certain ratio obviously it can't be like rotted but um, if it tested in for any powder and mildew whatsoever at a low ratio what a solvent could do is it could mediate that and it could be used as a concentrate um, but as far as pesticides go. Um, if you're spraying your plants with, you know, unorganic pesticides or anything like that, it's going to end up in your oil no matter what process you use. If you're running BHO, you're running CO2. Um, it's all basically um, based on that. So we had a, another question in chat. What is the average yield on flour um, at your preferred humidity, which I believe you said is around 50%? Um, what is your, I guess, average yield for the average bud? I know that's kind of a, a weird question, but, um, you know, maybe not the super highest, maybe not the dankest of the dank, but, you know, decent herb. Um, what can people expect to get, you know, roughly? Around a 15 to 18% yield. Um, if you have all the right settings and, you know, an average material, um, you should be in that 15 to 18% range. Uh, yeah, I mean... It's you're gonna get out what you put in at the end of the day. Um, you know you can't make miracles in an extraction machine. Um, it all starts in the garden, and you know people can mess up their garden just as much curing and drying it as they can growing it. Um, so that's why I really advocate people on climate, as well as you know obviously a clean, uh, clean grow room. Absolutely. Um. I think we'll, does anybody have any other questions in chat? If not, I think we'll about wind it down. Um, there was one question I got an email over the past week about um, um, seeds. A guy had a, older seeds and he tried a couple and they didn't germinate and wanted to know if there's anything you can do. Um, yeah, we've actually talked about this once or twice on the show before, but uh, we'll, we'll touch on it again. There's a process called seed sprout tea um, where um, you can take the seeds and basically get a, a big bowl of uh, water, put a bunch of corn seeds in it, or um, trying to think what else works good. Corn's the one I usually use as a go-to, uh, non-GMO corn. And uh, take that, sprout them all, and after about 48 hours, they're all sprout when you soak them in water. Uh, then take that water and pour it into a separate cup and put your seeds in, and it basically takes the excess hormones off of the the sprouting hormone from that, and it can help wake up older seeds, um, and can you know dramatically improve your your chance of um, germination. Barley is the other one. Thank you. Uh, Kool Aid chimed in there. Um, so um, next week uh, we have some, a pretty cool guest. Uh, if all goes well, we'll have um, Donald Bailey from University of Virgin Islands. Um, he's probably the most knowledgeable person in aquaponics in terms of years of uh
uh, in terms of years of research. Um, he uh, has headed up University of Virgin Islands for a ridiculously long time, um, uh, even a little bit longer than Charlie that we had on uh, last week. Um, I, I could be wrong on that. He might have been in there a little short, little bit less, but I got to double check on that. Don't, don't let me get that wrong. Um, but yeah, he's supposed to be joining us next week. Uh, and then um, we'll also have uh, some other uh, good guests coming up here uh, once we finish scheduling them. But we have some other cool people we've been in talks with about coming on the show here. And um, I'll be on um, uh, Do Grow Show here sometime in the next couple of days. We've been trying, we've been playing tag, trying to do a recording on that uh, to talk about um, some greenhouse climate control and, and aquaponics or regular growing uh, and some other stuff. So, uh, that'll be pretty cool. And, um, yeah, check it out. If you guys are interested in seeing me, uh, come up and t see my classes up in Ouroboros or come say hi. Uh, if not come say hi and see the place and, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's pretty neat. Ouroborosfarms.com if you're looking to check that out and, um, thanks to everyone that contributes to the show. And um, thanks, Josh, for joining us. Um, you want to mention your and the DGC, all the Dude Grows crew. Um, Josh, do you want to mention your uh, websites, how people can find you? And uh, Yeah, your, we uh, appreciate all you guys joining in and everything. You can definitely check out our uh, YouTube. It's peer pressure. Um, we got a lot of educational videos, as uh, we talked about earlier. Um, you know, it's all about education and getting you guys uh, pressing, you know, high-quality rosin no matter what machine you're using. Um, we have uh, a smaller version for at-home use coming out soon, so you know, keep an eye out for that. Um, and yeah, you can uh, find us at gopeerpressure.com. Oh, we appreciate all you coming out. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Um, Marty wasn't able to join us. Um, he's probably smoking a lot of weed right now. Um, <laughs> he'll be back. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me see. He just popped back on. Let me see if he's going to join us before I totally kill the show. Yeah. He's our normal uh, co-host. If you need to go, man, don't let me hold you up. Oh, I'm good. Wanna... It's not a problem. Okay. I appreciate it. Um, hey, we appreciate you having us on and uh, educating the community because that's what it's all about, getting people good products and growing good you know, medicine. Oh, yeah. And there's not a lot of good information out there on rosin, especially when it comes to how to do it properly. And, you know, you have some of the best informational videos I've seen out there. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on the show, because I knew you could answer a lot of the questions. Thanks. Thanks. Um, yeah. I mean, you got to filter through the bullshit. That's for sure. Absolutely. So. Alrighty. Um, the uh, we're going to have. um. We're going to wind down the show. Marty's not able to join us. Um, but check out his YouTube channel, AP Meds. Um, he's got a lot of really cool informational stuff. I know he's been doing a bunch of neat videos lately. Um, and then also check out Fish Ganja Guy. Um, he uh, has got a lot of good videos over there as well and some aquaponic grows. And uh, you guys know how to find me at potentponics.com, potentponics at YouTube, potentponics at Gmail. Um, if you guys have any questions, thanks for joining us, everyone. And um, thanks again to Josh for taking the time out of his day to talk to us about rosin. And uh, um, we'll see you guys again next week. Take care.